Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, editor of HR Daily Advisor. HR Work Break takes a quick but close look at everything human resources. For any HR professional, it's a must listen. I hope you learn something new, take some advice to heart, or simply stay abreast today's trending topics. Now, it's time for a work break. Happy Friday, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Colin Redbond, Global SVP of Product and Strategy at SSNC Technologies Blue Prism. SSNC Blue Prism provides enterprise intelligent automation technology worldwide. It seeks to empower customers to reimagine how work gets done with a secure and scalable intelligent digital workforce. Colin, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. So since you and SSNC are experts in the automation space, the first thing I wanted to ask you was, how has AI revolutioned HR? Yeah, I mean, HR is one of those areas that I think has some fairly sort of repetitive processes, things like HR onboarding, for example. So at a really basic level, we've always seen that as being one of the areas that customers tend to target for automation. Because obviously that has a benefit in terms of efficiency, but also, you know, the onboarding experience for people, which is an important thing. So there's a sort of immediate impact to the general sort of automation space. I think from an AI perspective, it's starting to get more interesting when you look at things like talent acquisition, for example. You know, we're seeing more AI startups and, and technology that's embedded into the hiring process as a way of identifying talent for a role, for example, or even kind of streamlining the first process that somebody goes through when they're applying for a role. So I think the intelligence part of that is starting to to come in more in some of the applications around sort of talent acquisition and learning and development and those kind of things. So yeah, a few different areas, I would say. Definitely. And I know you mentioned the um, hiring space, but do you think there are any other spaces that are going to go through major changes just because of automation? The chatbot and generative AI, chat GPT type of things are probably going to have an impact on some of those HR processes and, and interactions because you have an opportunity to use chat technology and things like that to streamline how you actually work with people across your business. And there's a, probably a relatively large number of interactions that could be streamlined through those technologies. And, uh, you know, just question and answer stuff that you, you know, ask HR type of things. I would imagine that that will be a space that will be disrupted by those kind of generative AI and chatbot technologies more than they already are, because I would imagine that HR is probably already fairly heavily using some of those chat technologies. This is just going to supercharge them, I think. So that's a good opportunity for like an automated chatbot just for like quick, basic questions like, is this covered by benefits or who do I talk to about X, Y, Z kind of a thing? Yeah, most organizations probably have a basic version of that. I think where the generative AI piece comes in is it's it's going to extend the scope of what those chat technologies can actually deal with. Everyone is still trying to work out the realities of, uh, <laughs> you know, what it means and how to practically uh, apply that safely in an organization is, is still a way to go on that, I think. Yeah, definitely. It'll be really interesting to see how it all unfolds with time. Yeah, indeed. So New York City recently passed, um, oh, it actually hasn't gone through yet. I believe June 1st, New York City is going to have legislation passed that's going to create guidelines or sanctions regarding AI in the hiring sphere to avoid any sort of discrimination. Do you have any sort of tips about ethically implementing automation or artificial intelligence into your hiring process? 
not specifically the hiring process, but I think in general, we, we tend to sort of advise organizations to kind of consider ethics and compliance and those kind of things as part of the operating model side of things. So when you're thinking about putting automation in place, part of considering that and thinking about what you need to do in your organization is thinking about the impact of some of those technologies. And those are obviously different depending on the level of intelligence that you're using. If you're implementing just basic automation, then effectively what you're doing is you're just replacing a fairly deterministic process with an automated version of it. So there's not too much risk there. If you're talking about actually using AI within a process, you know, like the example we talked about, then clearly there is a more of a risk there if it's poorly trained AI, but it's going to come up with the wrong answer because AI is only as good as the data that it's trained on and the skill of the engineering organization that was training that intelligence. So there are some more unknowns in there. We tend to advise that some of the things you can put in place are, are around having checks and balances. So you still want human in the loop. You know, you want people to kind of have a check and balance to make sure that you're selecting the right candidate. If the AI is recommending a certain candidate and they're kind of ruling out some other candidates, you want to have some periodic checks to make sure that those decisions are actually backed up by solid rationale that you would kind of agree with and that your experts would agree with. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So kind of in the same vein with having to implement checks and balances when using automation, what are the pros and cons of bringing it into your workforce? Uh, so benefits, um, obviously, higher productivity, efficiency, you know, a more productive workforce. There's obviously a lot of fear that goes around automation, but you find me somebody who actually enjoys doing the same thing over and over again <laughs> and doesn't find that a little bit soul destroying. So I think if you apply automation in the right way, you actually bring your people along with you on that journey and actually make them feel empowered by automation. There's a lot of benefits that comes with that. And it means that, you know, you're freeing people up to focus on things that actually make us more human. You're focusing people on using those things like empathy and creativity and, and the things that they actually enjoy doing. That's the plus side. I mean, the downsides tend to come if you don't manage that program effectively. So if you don't consider the fear factor, you know, if you don't consider the fact that you're talking about people here and automation and AI is a scary thing. If you're not educating people on what that actually means, you're not creating a management system and a, you know, organizational operating model that considers automation and AI as part of that then there's a risk that people feel threatened by it and that people will kind of rail against it. So I think it's uh, about making sure that you've got the right approach to how you drive automation and how you bring in technology as much as it is about the technologies themselves. Right. And in the realm of implementing it properly, do you have any advice beyond those checks and balances we had discussed? In our space, we have a what we call a, a robotic operating model, which uh, which has actually been around. It's one of the things that we created very early on in the Blue Prism history as a way of recognizing the fact that if you're going to implement automation, there is a different set of things you need to consider in how you implement it and how you consider the way that you manage that technology, how you consider managing you know, the identification of a process to how it gets automated. That has now evolved to consider things like artificial intelligence. So if you're going to implement AI within a process, then also consider the non-deterministic elements of how that's going to work and what you need to put in place around that to make sure you've got the right consideration of regulatory compliance and ethics and those kind of things. So it is very variable depending on the types of technologies you're looking at and the processes and the things that you're looking to automate. Because if you're automating things that are very significant in terms of regulatory impact, if you get it wrong, 
clearly that's going to require a different set of things than if you're just automating a very repetitive mundane thing that isn't going to kill your business if it goes wrong so it's, it's all about sort of looking at the sort of end-to-end -end strategy and then considering the right mix of things you need depending on that strategy that you have that makes a lot of sense and we've discussed a lot of more the business side of automation and recent study found that satisfied employees usually have about 25 percent less administrative tasks thanks to ai Obviously, the repetitive, the mundane is a really great space to implement automation, but in what other ways can AI and automation make employees' jobs easier and their lives better? We've talked a little bit about sort of automating the processes that actually impact employees, you know, and actually using AI and technology to support employees in, you know, having a, a nicer life in the workplace. Some of the new disruptive technologies that are coming out, you know, generative AI and things like chat GPT, obviously used effectively, there's a way that you can actually apply those technologies to provide answers to employees about things that they need to kind of manage within their daily work life, for example. If you use technology to make it easier for somebody to solve a problem, you know, IT problems, for example, how annoying is it when you, your laptop goes wrong and you can't get it solved quickly? There's a lot of automation and intelligence kind of going into how we get ahead of those things and how we make people's lives easier in solving those problems. So, yeah, I think there's a, there's a bunch of stuff that you can do just around, you know, making people's lives easier in the workplace that we can use these technologies for. And the flip side of that, are there any areas within the work world that you think AI and automation just don't have an opportunity to get rooted in something that's so fundamentally like human driven that technology won't have a space there? Yeah, I mean, I'm fairly pleased to say I think there's a lot. I think we're a long way off of the real scary sort of general AI that's going to kind of become our boss. There's a big difference if you think about things like ChatGPT. You know, it's possible for ChatGPT to mimic empathy and to mimic creativity with with some of the other you know you've got Dali 2 for example another open AI thing which is able to create art and images but essentially what it's doing is it's taking learned data from a you know very large data set and using that to kind of mimic creativity that's not the same as having creativity and the empathy that chat GPT will mimic is not the same as a human having empathy and actually being able to understand the nuances of human conversation and body language and all those kind of things that we just kind of take for granted in the way that we interact with the world. I think there's a long, long way to go before AI is going to be able to come into those spaces. And that kind of goes back to making sure that when we're creating roles for people and we're looking at implementing automation, that we actually start to bring out those human traits more in the way that we support customers and, and the way that we support people in the workplace. That's a really good perspective. When we first started our conversation, you mentioned how AI can have a huge role in onboarding, for example. So what role do you think AI will play in learning and development in the future? Yeah, I mean, learning and development, I think, is another interesting space because you can see now how AI is being used to or can be used to help assess and maybe even target learning towards a specific priority for an individual or a business. For example, if you've got the ability to assess the skills that you have across a business related to implementing a new technology based on the underlying data that you have in your HR systems, learning and development systems and the like, then it's possible to target an education program to the specific area of the business or to the specific roles or people that you need to kind of bring up to speed to prepare for that. 
I think we'll start to see more of that kind of targeted and data-driven approach to learning and development in the future. Definitely. And in regards to the um, customers you've worked with and sort of the trends within what's driving automation, are there any sectors or trends or areas that you've seen like concentrated efforts in for the future of AI and automation? We're very, very strong uh, or our customers, we've got a lot of customers in financial services and, you know, those kind of areas. You know, obviously that's a space that is rich with data. And if you've got a space that's rich with data, then you tend to find that it's an area where people are probably more advanced in in looking at adopting AI and, and technology to help streamline some of those things. So, you know, lots going on around those sort of areas, loan approvals, mortgages, you know, contracts, all those kind of things that tend to be quite strict in the way that they're operated and data rich. Those are where we're seeing a lot of traction. I think the areas that are, you know, starting to become more prevalent are also, we're seeing a lot of traction in sort of document driven processes being digitized and those kinds of things are still, you know, a surprising amount of document driven things out there where people are actually filling in forms and being able to extract data from those kind of things and then use that to drive automation. That's another big area of focus that we're seeing. Yeah, I totally see how that connects into the recruiting space like we were talking about earlier. Because when you said documents and forms, the first thing I thought of was, um, you know, you upload your resume and then you have to refill everything in your resume instead of it just kind of like auto-generating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You'll probably find now that when you're uploading your resume to some of these platforms, that it is automatically information is being extracted from that. There will be some intelligence that's behind that that's helping recruiters. Actually, a really good example is LinkedIn. If you're a recruiter and you're using LinkedIn, then you can put in keywords and, you know, create a sort of customized profile that you want to look for. And then it will actually be able to flag the people who best suit that profile based on a sort of custom set of parameters. It's becoming a lot easier to sort through a large number of um, applications and, and narrow that down without having to kind of read through every single person's profile or CV. Oh, that's so cool. The front end of recruiting, I feel, is where you can utilize like automation. And then as you get into the face-to-face, the interviews, like you said, that's where you get that human touch in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You wouldn't want to be interviewed by an AI. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah. But my final question for you today is something that I ask all of my guests. So since this episode airs on Fridays, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Well, it's starting to warm up in the UK finally. I'm into paddleboarding, so I'm looking to get out on my paddleboard on the river for the first time this year. Hopefully, fingers crossed if the weather holds. Oh, cool. I hope you get some good weather. We've finally started having some nicer weather in the States too, so I feel yeah, I've been itching to get outside properly. Yeah, no, it's always nice when you can finally get out after a long winter. So <laughs> looking forward to that. How about you? I'm seeing a podcast live show with some of my friends, so I'm really excited for that. Excellent. Enjoy. Thank you. And Colin, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a really cool conversation. You're welcome. I've enjoyed it. Again, I'm Maddie Collins, and thank you for listening. Join us next Friday or whenever you need a work break.